Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. In a world that is currently dealing with a massive pandemic, there's actually another epidemic that we should be thinking about and that we have the opportunity to work on during this time. It's an epidemic that attacks the very roots of our society. It creates instability. It breeds confusion. It leads to wars and arguments. It's deprived many kids across the world of what they truly need, and it continues to perpetuate itself. And this epidemic is the demise of the family. What has caused this demise? Not enough useful education? A lack of social reform? Sinful revolutions? Government responsibility? Financial instability? Friend, those are all symptoms, but we're experiencing what we read about actually in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2 verse 10 says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What was compounding in that culture and in our world is a world that does not know God. At the heart of our social struggles, our government irresponsibility, sinful revolutions, financial instability, the demise of the families, is a people that does not know or care to know God. So during this podcast, I just want to share with you my burden and scriptural philosophy of children's ministry. If you wanted to give a title to it, you could talk about a generation that knows God. But this is going to come mostly during this podcast from Psalm 78, which is a wisdom psalm. And today we will find a wellspring of wisdom here that helps us understand our responsibility to the next generation. How can we see multiple generations know God? Well, first of all, a generation that knows God is taught biblically. Is taught biblically. So let's read Psalm 78 together briefly, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. A generation that knows God is a generation that is taught biblically, that is taught biblically. And some of the things they're taught, they're biblically taught what God's law is. God's word tells us how we should live. He says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Later on in verse 5, he mentions a testimony in Jacob, a law in Israel. Deuteronomy 6 is also a wonderful passage that speaks on this theme, and it talks about the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. It says, Fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments. And even in Deuteronomy 6, 6, it says, These things which I command you shall be in your heart. It is important that we teach the law. Teach what is right and teach what is wrong. God's word gives us much of that. 
We also should biblically teach God's person, who he is, his character. In Deuteronomy 6, we're reminded of this very simple theme in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, and with all thy might. God is one, and God deserves to be loved with everything. And even in our passage here, he says the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. A generation that knows God is taught biblically. They're taught what God's law is. They are taught God's character. And friends, the best setting for that to take place is at your dinner table. The best place for that to take place is in your home where mom and dad teach the kids these important truths. This is multi-generational, one generation teaching another God's law and God's character. Mom and dad, tell your kids about the what God's word says is important. When you enforce something with a child, it's not just because you want them to. It's because God commands them to. Point them back to God's law. And point them back to God's character in everything you do. When you show them love, remind them of the love of God. When you show them discipline, remind them of God's law. Remind them of God's character. A generation that knows God is taught biblically. A generation that knows God is taught generationally. Generationally. The teachings of God should take, for, take place first at home. Mom and dad teaching the children about God. You see, Bible teaching is first done in a family setting. In a family setting. It's kind of interesting. This passage holds multiple generations. In verse, uh, let's see, in verse 3, it says, Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have taught us. That's generation 1 and 2. We will not hide them from their children, generation 2 to generation 3, that they should make them known to their children. Now we have generation 3 to generation 4. And then it even says the generation that's not born yet. That's four to five, who will rise and declare them to, to their children, five to six. We have at least six generations written in this one passage, and I think that's important. It's meant to stand out to us in Psalm 78. Parents should teach diligently. Deuteronomy 6-7 gives us that reminder of how parents need to teach with every opportunity they get. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sit, sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou Less down and when thou risest up, when you lie down and when you rise up. This was a regular routine of instruction throughout the day. Maybe if we were to rephrase it, we'd say as you're in the car, as you're at home, as you're walking through the foyer at church, as you're going through the grocery store. All of those times are times where you have opportunities to teach the next generation of the goodness of God. You see, really... A parent's instruction is not merely a lesson, but a continual way of life. And remember this, friends. There is no such thing as a second-hand faith. There is no such thing as a second-hand faith. It has to be chosen for each child. Parents, how are you doing teaching your kids about God? Do you think it's the church's responsibility first? It's clearly not, according to Psalm 78. Who has the most time with them? Lord willing, parents, you do. And sometimes as a culture, it seems like the stay-at-home mom is looked down upon. But if we were ever to look with an eternal perspective, we should say, what an opportunity. 
or a dad who comes home every every night by the same time for dinner. It's a wonderful opportunity. Do you have those times of family devotions? We have a lot more time now than we ever have. Do you teach your kids about God throughout the day? Do your children even know your personal testimony? They should. And biblical teaching not only is done as a home setting, it's done in a community or in a church setting. Once we realize the priority of the the family in teaching the word of God, we then come to more properly understand the role of the church. There is one problem. What about the children whose parents don't teach them? What about those parents who desire to teach their kids who might feel like they don't have the ability? Friend, welcome to the body of Christ. The church is here to equip your family. The church is here to teach those who haven't received that teaching. The church exists at at its most authentic level to share the gospel and to make disciples. And teach your kids the best you know how. And learn everything you can on your own. The church should teach kids when parent, when sometimes parents are not present to do so. The church should teach children. And so there's a couple ways that we should think about it. I think the church should teach children clearly. Um, Paul, tw- at two points in his writings, at one point says that I may um, pray for me as I preach the gospel, that I may proclaim it boldly as I ought to speak. But at another point, he says, proclaim it that I may proclaim, or pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I ought to speak. That often dictates my thinking when I'm speaking to kids. Children have the ability to learn. Often they learn a lot more than we would realize. They're smart. It's like a blank hard drive in their brain, but we must teach the truths of God's word to them in a way that they will understand. In a really, really good book on children's ministry, um, it's by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It's called Come Ye Children. And there's this quote on page six. If there be any doctrine too difficult for a child, it is rather the fault of the teacher's conception of it than of the child's power to receive it, provided that the child really be converted to God. It is ours to make doctrine simple. That is to be the main part of our work. Teach the little ones the whole truth and nothing but the truth, for instruction is the great want of the child's nature. A child has not only to live as you and I have, but also to grow. Hence, he needs double of food. The church should teach children clearly. The church should also teach children joyfully. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, as Proverbs 17 tells us. And this is taught by example. Joy is certainly taught by example. So here's a simple question. When you're teaching kids, parents, when you're with your kids, what's the expression on your face? Now, for some, it's easier than others. For some reason, I have one of these faces that even when I want to show that I'm being stern, it's hard for people to see it. In fact, once I was preaching at another church's junior camp, and a boy from there asked me, are you ever not smiling? (laughs) Whoops. And that's a, that's a personality thing that God's given me, but it's also an important lesson for us. When we teach kids, do they see the joy of the Lord on our heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's show joy when we teach. The church should teach children repeatedly, and that is really, really important. This goes for parents and the church. Deuteronomy 6, 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So we should teach clearly. We should teach joyfully, repeatedly, and the church should teach children Jesus. Friend, we should teach all the we can teach all the behavior in the world and miss out on Jesus. Is behavior important? Absolutely. Even a child is known by his doings, whether it be good or whether it be right. But it is also very, very important that we teach the why. And coming back to the character of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us is so, so important. There's another really good book on children's ministry, and it's called Show Them. Jesus. And a couple quotes in that book. 
It says, if kids are leaving the church, it's because we fail to give them a view of Jesus and his cross that's compelling enough to satisfy their spiritual hunger and give them the zeal they crave. And ultimately, if kids leave our church and they've never accepted Christ as their Savior, then we miss an important part. And he also says in this book, Show Them Jesus, the good news teacher skillfully steers a kid's heart by showing the breathtaking beauty of Jesus. And a generation that knows God, we've seen so far, a generation that knows God is caught, is taught biblically, is taught generationally, and is also taught impactfully in a way that it'll change their life. Why do we teach the Bible generationally? When the teaching of God's word has truly reached the heart of the next generation, there is an exciting, an exciting result. They hope in God. The purpose of teaching isn't simply to transmit information, but to ensure that each generation will set their hope in God, that they will remember God, and that they will obey God. It says in the end of Psalm 78 and verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And those are the mantra, the main theme of our children's ministries at Colonial, that kids might learn to set their hope in God. You know, there's a story of a man who is searching for life's adventures and joy. And he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He did find out later that his great-grandfather had been a traveling evangelist, but he hadn't really heard about it. This man was always trying to please his dad, and he had a foul mouth. In fact, he often thought to himself, why does it matter the way that I talk? But at age 17, he went to a Jack Wartson rally. And at that Jack Wartson rally, he heard an important message. You know, he had lived quite the life leading up to then. He had been a drag racer, and he was fun-loving, and he had a foul mouth. He drove fast in high school so fast he was in an accident once. The person with him got injured. And yet he went to this youth group in a town and he heard this Jack Wartson rally and he heard about Jesus Christ. And he got saved at age 17 and it completely changed his life. You know, his father looked at him and said, Pete, it's just a passing fancy. But he knew, Pete knew for sure that he was saved. And as he, in fact, one of the th- most confirming moments is when he was working on something and he hurt his finger. He was a mechanic and he slammed his finger and he didn't swear. That's when he knew that he had changed. Not too long after his salvation, he met a nice Christian girl named Barbara and he raised a family to follow the Lord. There was another man who was just searching for someone to love him. He came from a fairly broken home. His mom died right before he was five years old. His father was basically a drunk. He was put into some foster homes and orphanages. And you know, the first time he ever actually experienced love in his life was when some, uh, was when some nuns actually showed love for him. He would have never known that Jesus loved him. Nobody made him go to church, but he decided at one age to go on his own. And they were the first people in his life that ever loved him. Well, he went to a Billy Graham crusade. And he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he did, he got saved. And he was never the same. The son of the first man, Pete, that I was talking about. He had a son who was in Sunday school when he was about four years old. Um, It was so important for him that he tried to tell his sister about it. And the verse he based his salvation on was a verse that didn't even talk about salvation. Where it's, I stand at the door and knock. As a little boy, he understood that he needed to knock and ask for his salvation. And so he, he did get saved at a young age. He was about four years old. 
and he began doing a quiet time as he grew up and he heard his dad lead him in prayer and thanking God for food and for everything that was going on in their lives. And and throughout his whole life, he saw his dad, who was a first-generation Christian, grow in the Lord. That second father that I was telling you about, the second man who had been looking for love, had a daughter. And, uh, and they went to a very small country church. And there wasn't a ton of depth there, but he was faithful. In fact, he was so interested, this father, to hear what his kids were learning about in Sunday school because he hadn't learned it, that he would actually get up to the window of the Sunday school class from the outside of the church building, the little country church, and he would listen through the window because he wanted to learn the Bible stories that his kids were learning. And one of his little girls was not saved, but she uh, was not saved yet. But then an evangelist came to their church when they had something called the Strawberry Festival when she was 13 years old. And in a row with a bunch of other teenagers, this little girl responded to that altar call and was saved and baptized a few months later in a small country church. And you see that man, Pete, and the second man, Pearlie, raised kids with their Christian wives who became Christians. And I am the product of those two families because that little boy and that little girl that got saved were my mom and my dad. (laughs) I'm standing here today to tell you that generational ministry works. That mom and dad, when you share that gospel with your kids and you model Christ-likeness as best you can, you can see your kids do that and their kids do that and their kids do that. And now I have a little girl and our arms one month old, who now we hope we can teach that gospel clearly to, so that she too, like my grandparents and my parents and now me, will learn to set their hope in God. So friends, just remind yourself of what Psalm 78.7 says, that when we do next generational children's ministry, we do it that they might set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. I hope this is an encouragement to you today. And take that effort, especially if we have so much time at home right now, to invest in your kids in a way that teaches them the law and teaches them God's word. Model that to them. Next Generational Children's Ministry. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.